What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, the governor has signed a bunch of new laws. There's a virus hitting Chicago's bunnies, and we've got getaways on the brain. I'm here with Cranes reporter Lee Jean Greco and Alex Nitkin with the Illinois Answers Project to break it all down. It's Friday, August 4th. I'm Simona Alicea, in for Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Alex, Lee, welcome back to the show. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having us. Doing well. Glad to be here. I think Lee is frozen. I thought she was just looking at me very seriously, but I think she's frozen. <laughs> am I am I unfrozen now? You are unfrozen. I was actually just looking at you very seriously. <laughs> We're frozen in the in the glow of your greatness as a host. We're awe-inspired. Oh, thank you, Alex. This is why I invited my friends on the show. That's why that's why this happened. Uh, Before we get into this week's news, I wanted to ask, because Alex, I know you're a full moon jam kind of guy. Did you guys catch the Sturgeon supermoon this week? Did we manage to get outside and see it? I definitely saw it on Monday. And I think we got a little bit of sturgeon action uh, last night, too. It, It was it was very cool, especially right when it comes up over the horizon. Um, very kind of spooky and ominous in a fun way. And um, if anyone was out there at the full moon jam, uh, there was this great moment of shortly after sunset because, you know, on a full moon, the sunrise and the sunset are kind of in tandem, or the moonrise and the sunset, I should say, are in tandem. Um, there was this great moment of, like, the big red orb coming up over the lake. Um, that's, that's pretty great. What is a full moon jam? Well, Lee, uh, every, <laughs> every uh, full moon in the summer, there's this big, uh, wonderful outdoor free event on the lakefront around Argyle, Argyle Foster, um, where uh, there are a bunch of fire dancers and there's a big drum circle and it's a whole big kind of happening hippie event. Oh, I was going to say it sounds like something witches go to. And the way you described it, that sounds exactly like what it is. Like, should I bring a goat with me or something? Or <laughs> It's it's always helpful to have a blood sacrifice in these kinds of things. You know, be prepared. Um, the next one is August 31st. Yeah, we're going to have uh, two supermoons this month. And the, August, the second one in August will be a, a blue supermoon which, of course, uh, does not actually describe the color of the moon, but just the fact that we have two in a calendar month. Uh, they're really big and beautiful. And I was out on Tuesday night and got to see the got to see exactly what you described, Alex, the moonrise. So I've been really into stars lately. So I feel like I'm putting all the listeners on 
on Sky Stuff recently. But besides what's going on in the sky, we've got a lot to cover this week, so let's get into it. Earlier this week uh, on the show, Jacoby and I talked about the Bring Chicago Home Tax. That is the proposed tax increase on high-end real estate sales to fund efforts to combat homelessness. Alex, you did some reporting on cities who have already enacted sort of similar tax increases. Uh, Who did you look at and what did you find? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because the Bring Chicago Home proposal dates back to 2018. And this is something that advocates among the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless and others have been talking about for a long time, this idea of raising the sort of one-time tax paid by buyers of really pricey real estate to pay for homelessness services. Um, At the time that they had proposed it, this was a, a pretty rare policy mechanism. But really, interestingly, in the past five years, we've seen a lot of different cities and states turn to it um, to mixed effect, but I would say mostly to to successful effect. Um, Most interestingly, I think uh, the city of Evanston in 2018, they did the same thing that Chicago leaders are doing right now, which is um, talking about Uh, voting to put a question on the ballot, should we have a graduated real estate transfer tax? It passed, you know, passed narrowly, but it passed, went into effect at the beginning of 2019. And uh, Evanston has been collecting um, a lot more money. The past two years or so, it collected about twice as much money from real estate transfer taxes as it had before. And now they're using that money to fund their reparations program, which you guys also had an episode on this week. Um, So lots of opportunity for Chicago and, you know, other jurisdictions like the state of Connecticut and Vermont and New York City have also imposed graduated real estate transfer taxes. Um, Also, the city of Los Angeles has put one into effect this year, but that one has been kind of a a snafu. Um, It seems like it's had a really sharp effect on the real estate market there. And also there are a whole bunch of lawsuits. And so things are kind of frozen there for the time being. The city council now has this choice as it moves to a point from, you know, should we do this and more into a point of how are we going to do this, um, has a lot of options before it and is going to have to weigh a lot of different factors and how they actually want to structure this tax and what they want it to look like. We're always talking in Chicago of how can we get more money? How can we increase revenue? What are sort of the mechanisms by which we can do that? Why this particular uh, uh, tax? uh, Why is this attractive? It's a good question. I think that on one hand, people are always looking for ways of doing sort of progressive taxation. And property taxes are one way that we do, you know, progressive taxation, meaning trying to have higher rates on people who are at the higher end of the income spectrum who can afford it more. Right. People who make more money have to pay more. Yeah. And I mean, property taxes are, are sort of like that because obviously if your property is more expensive, you're going to pay more taxes on it, but everyone pays the same rate on property taxes, right? And so I think that this was um, a way to look at, you know, what are some of the ways that we can pay for, you know, homelessness services in a way that we're still taxing really high-end real estate and the real estate industry. Um, And it sort of fits in that kind of, you know, thematically, like we're taxing mansions and really pricey homes to pay for, uh, to help people who are are sleeping in the streets. Um, What's interesting is that really most of where this money would be coming from is from commercial real estate sales, is from office buildings, um, uh, you know, um, retail parks, big apartment buildings. And those are the folks who are already 
really complaining in a lot of cases about really high assessments in the last couple of years. Um, and the folks from the real estate industry who are saying that, you know, a tax like this could uh, be really harmful to the city's real estate market or economy. They're not talking about the effect on the mansion owners. They're talking about the effect on like the office market, which is already really struggling. Alex, really appreciate you breaking that down, especially those numbers and uh, always love uh, talking tax policy and how we raise revenue in this city, because it is uh, uh, the 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 biggest question uh, in terms of uh, municipal governance. So really appreciate that. Huge story um, that we're watching is what is happening at Northwestern University um, and its sports programs. Of course, the school still seeing fallout from uh, hazing scandals, facing several lawsuits. There's been a pause on a potential new stadium, all due to allegations of hazing, including sexual abuse and racism uh, in football and, and in other sports as well. Um, Lee, this week, you wrote a story looking at how Northwestern has sort of been managing the crisis, how it's responded. Uh, what grade did did the school get based on your reporting? Yeah, I spoke with uh, crisis comms and PR folks. Uh, they did not give Northwestern a good grade here. Uh, I don't want to say a failing grade, but um, it it's not looking good. Essentially, uh, what they said is that, you know, Northwestern has been put on their back foot. Now they're in the tricky situation of they can't go out and say much more publicly because of just this avalanche of lawsuits that's coming at them. Um and as one of the PR folks that I talked to mentioned, those pending lawsuits make it a lot more difficult to say anything uh, because it could be used in court. Um, so Northwestern is really at a disadvantage now. Uh, one of the only things that they could do is maybe put together a committee uh, that could say that they're looking at this. Uh, maybe that could be composed of alumni and, uh, you know, former athletes. Whoever the university chooses to be the next head coach um, is going to have to be someone from outside of Northwestern. Um because this hazing allegedly has been going on for over a decade now. Yeah, Lee, I was really interested to see your story about crisis response because I think that something has really struck me about the posture of the Northwestern administration has just been a really closing off access, almost a kind of impatience or even disdain for questions of sort of cutting questions short, saying, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to talk about that. And on the one hand, you can tell it really is coming from, you know, a big brain trust of lawyers probably saying, you know, say as little as possible for legal reasons. But I don't know. I feel like I got a little bit of deja vu to a couple years ago when allegations were coming out around the, the Blackhawks and the sexual assault scandal that they were experiencing. And, you know, the the ownership team was sort of responding very bitterly and sort of negatively to dismissively to questions like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. Like, how dare you ask me about that? But it's really not a good look. And ultimately, it is incumbent upon them to answer all of our questions about how they are, if not dealing with the past allegations, how they're actually making a safe environment um, for all the many student athletes who are going to continue to play there. And not to mention, Alex, as you said, this sort of posture of, of closing off, that started well before all this reporting came out and this started to sort of really kind of snowball in the summer when there was an initial investigation uh, into these allegations, an independent investigation, where those findings were never sort of fully 
revealed. And, you know, we only got sort of bits and pieces from it. And it was sort of student journalists who were able to kind of uncover more and get the get the details that really kind of spread this off. So it's not sort of a this closed posture is not even a not even a new thing that's sort of been since the beginning and from from the from the jump that like allegations were being made and they were being investigated. Yeah. And it now seems like what's happening is because Northwestern has painted themselves in this PR corner, we'll say, where they didn't get ahead of this. Uh, They didn't make any comments about this. Now they have to take uh, the legal strategy here. So uh, earlier this week, uh, my colleague Brandon had a story about, you know, Northwestern naming former AG Loretta Lynch to investigate the athletic department. Um, And unlike that previous investigation, Simone, that you mentioned, which wasn't made public. This one is supposed to be public. So I get the sense that what they're doing is approaching this all from a legal standpoint uh, and and just backing off on really any public comment at this point, because it seems like that can only hurt them. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Always want to shine some light on stories that uh, maybe didn't get enough attention this week. Alex, one that really totally passed by me. I completely missed it. Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a bunch of new laws. Uh, What are some big ones that uh, people should watch out for? Yep. So as we get into kind of the slower news time of the summer, this is typically when the governor will sign a whole bunch of or, you know, occasionally veto, but more often sign a bunch of the bills that were passed during the spring session. And um, on Friday, he signed checking my notes here, approximately a gazillion bills. Um, A lot of them were pretty (laughs) obscure, but one of them that really jumped out to me was um, there's a concept that's a little bit, you know, in the weeds, but is really important um, in transit. The idea of fare box funding or fare box recovery, it's sometimes called the idea that there's a a rule typically that 50% of all of a transit agency's um, revenues have to come from passengers tapping in and paying themselves. That requirement has been waived during COVID um, and has just been sort of a financial lifeline to uh, these transit agencies that are obviously still really struggling. So that was extended um, in one of these bills that was signed into law. And also, um, I don't know if it was the same bill or a related bill, but something that transit advocates and transit agencies had been um, pushing for for a while is giving transit agencies the authority to um, basically, you know, remove 
unruly passengers from trains. And really, these are just more band-aids to try to help transit agencies um, get somewhere close to their original ridership volumes before uh, ARPA money runs out in a couple of years and this really dire looking fiscal cliff of hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, another interesting one uh, is that it is now illegal to Zoom while driving. Um, just so everyone knows. Specifically? Like specifically Zoom? Uh, you know, Nobody does Skype. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they didn't even bother writing it. They were like, no. Google Meets, don't worry. No, I'm kidding. I mean, like, I, I I, think that it is video conferencing. Thank you for, for catching that. You're not allowed to video conference while driving. Um, the irony is that as someone who's covered a lot of these legislative hearings, like, very often there are lawmakers who are, like, calling in while driving. So I hope oh that God. they didn't do that um, in this case. Uh, but if they do in the future, they might get ticketed. So I, okay, so this is the video calling thing is curious to me because I just, I, I assumed it was already illegal because we have, don't we already have distracted driving laws in Illinois uh, around, like, don't we have to already go hands-free for things? But they, they just wanted to specify, like, also don't be on video, like, don't have a screen in front of you that you're, that you're watching. Under existing law, a person may not operate a motor vehicle on a roadway while using an electronic communication device, can't, you know, talk on a phone while driving, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then it adds the language, you also may not participate in any video conferencing application, including but not limited to Zoom, Microsoft Teams, or WebEx. Sorry, Skype, you did not get the shout out. Another interesting thing here is that there is an exemption from the distracted driving rule for being on your phone that you are allowed to do like a hands-free um, call. Uh, in the car, that's okay, but you are not allowed to do a hands-free teleconference because what? obviously, you know, it's you'd be it's a thing to look at. The whole point is like you have to keep your eyes on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's 2023, and um, the words Zoom, Teams, and WebEx are included in Illinois state statute. Yeah, they are codified. Uh, well, thanks for that. That's a great safety update, Alex. Really appreciate it. Lee, want to turn to you because uh, you have a story that we should be paying attention to a little more local about bunnies. A little concerning. What's going on with them? Yeah, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to balance out the Northwestern story. Very serious thought. Let's find something slightly lighter you know, maybe a hyper-local story from Block Club. Um, this story is not light, sorry to say. Um, there is a disease spreading among bunnies. It's called rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus 2, also known as RHDV2. And it's a highly contagious virus, this is quoting Block Club, that can cause sudden death for both pet and wild rabbits. Um yeah, it's very, and two bunnies died at a cuddle bunny here in Chicago, unfortunately. Aww. So our condolences to them. Uh, they are temporarily closed right now. Um, so folks are, you know, encouraging you, if you have a rabbit, to get your pet rabbit vaccinated. 
any of the symptoms might be, you know, the rabbit could be lethargic or struggling to breathe or it refuses to eat. Uh, luckily, um, this virus does not spread to other animals or humans. I can't believe you found a story that is about bunny rabbits that is also a bummer. I <laughs> know. <laughs> so many sharp turns in that, but also good to know. I really, I clicked on it and I was like, oh, okay, nice. little bunny story. We'll lighten <laughs> up here. No, uh, like, you know that they can die suddenly, but sometimes before they die, they can bleed from their eyes or mouth. Ooh, new nightmare fuel. Thank you for that. And now I have that picture in yeah. my head. Are we talking about wild rabbits or pet rabbits or both? Both. This is a this is an all bunny thing. No bunny is safe. Oh, no. No matter how sheltered. Are there little masks they can wear? <gasps> all little bunny masks. That would be so cute. <laughs> we got bunny vaccinations. I feel like if that, if there's a world where there's bunny vaccines, so is there like a bunny Dr. Fauci, like a very (laughs) small, (laughs) the smallest bunny you could find with like little glasses? Make sure you do not hop too far if you have (laughs) the bunny disease. Uh, I don't know. Stay six (laughs) rabbit feet away from each other. Well, Lee, thank you so much for letting us know. And if you do have a rabbit, make sure you get your rabbit uh, vaccinated um, because we wouldn't want to see any more rabbits come down. But uh, we are going to turn to some actual good news, lighter stories to get you through the weekend, get you through this moment, get you through the end of this podcast, at least. Alex, what is some good news you want to share with the people? My good news is that, as we all know, This weekend is Lollapalooza, and it is a great time to get away from the city of Chicago. Um, So I am going on a backpacking trip um, to a a national park at West, to Glacier National Park, um, which I'm super excited about. But I thought that this is a great opportunity to bring up all of the many great um, low-key weekend camping trip spots um, around the Chicagoland area, especially now as we're getting to, like, late summer, early fall, which in my mind is like the nicest time of year to go out and be among nature. Um, You guys on the show here have talked about a lot of the really well-known ones like Indiana Dunes and and Starved Rock. Um, I would shout out some other really nice Illinois state parks like uh, Mississippi Palisades over on the west side of the state. Um, And Chain of Lakes is also really nice. And also... um, Wisconsin has so many beautiful state parks that are just like a a little drive away from Chicago. This year, I actually got a little annual Wisconsin State Park pass for my car um, and have been making use of it. There is Kettle Moraine and Richard Bong is just like an hour's drive away and it's beautiful. Devil's Lake, New Glarus Woods. And uh, very low key camping, too, right? It's not a lot of like out in the wilderness, like bushwhacking, like very well maintained sites for the most part around uh, around these parts. Yeah. The glamping opportunities are many. Yes. Yeah. Well, those are great recommendations, Alex. Really appreciate that. And I am letting CityCast listeners know that we are working on a fall getaways guide during a peak leaf peeping season. So keep an eye out for that because we're going to have even more trips that you can take. Uh, Lee, what's your good news that you'd like to share? Yeah, my good news. uh, My family's in town. It's my mom's birthday. uh, So that'll be nice. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to my mom. Um, And uh, yeah, but my other good news, and I know this isn't like newsy or anything, but it's just 
it is lake season. This is the prime time to be in the lake. So this past weekend, I went in Friday after work. I went in Saturday before Wicker Park Fest, Sunday evening. Like, if I am not working, I am at the lake. So get to the lake. Lee, I am pretty sure you have texted me like three or four times in the past week to go swimming. And I have been napping, and so I haven't gone but it it does. It seems You perfect. know what's great, though, about going to the lake? You can nap at the lake. That's true. I mean, not That's in true. the lake, but you can. I, I definitely napped on Saturday. And my only my only issue with that is you will wake up with the weirdest tan lines. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I currently have just like a, a weird splotch on my stomach because I just passed out at the lake. That's why you got to um, nap under a tree like Tom Sawyer. I will say I do feel like I have not been inside the lake enough this summer. I really feel like that's where I have kind of like slacked off. And I really have no excuse. Like I live right here. Like I live yeah. right by the lake. There's there's no reason that you got to go. Be like there's this. Friday morning swim club, but I almost feel like there are too many people. I I feel like I go to the lake to be alone. Like I often leave my phone at home and then go to the lake and I feel like I've escaped the world. Uh, which is nice. I will say the lake is my favorite place to go when I am sad, just like staring <laughs> out at the great expanse. I, If you do put together a guide of like best places to cry in the city, I would put multiple lakefront spots on there. Alex, I think that's the second time you've said that on the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you just no, looking for places to be sad? I, don't worry, I'm I'm fine. I don't want you to get the impression that that's just bleeding from their eyes. Yeah, I mean it's news you can use. Everyone's also busy talking about places where you can have a great time, but we need places where we can experience all of our full range of human emotions. <laughs> yes, always. That is what we are here for at uh, CityCast Chicago. Uh, my good news is a little bit different. Really appreciate your guys' recs to go outside. But uh, I am just really excited to officially announce um, that I am now your permanent lead producer here at CityCast Chicago. Hey, mazel tov. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so much. I am uh, really excited to be leading this team, making the podcast and the newsletter, Hey Chicago, uh, that we know that you love. But really the reason I'm here is um, this means that we're hiring an audio producer. Um, so if you listen to this podcast, but you also make podcasts, you make audio, uh, consider applying. Apply by August 11th. It's a great team to work with. Um, and we'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you, but, um, yeah, just really excited to keep making this show, uh, for, for the foreseeable future. Cause, uh, I love doing it. Yay. Congrats again, Simone. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you, uh, Alex Nifkin and Legion Greco for being here and breaking down the news with me this week. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thanks everybody. That's all for today here on CityCast Chicago. Our newsletter editor is Sydney Madden. Producers this week are Grant Irving and A.K. Al-Mutman. Our music is by Sam Thousand, All the Kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. Of course, our regular host is Jacoby Cochran. He'll be back here with us on Tuesday. But until then, I'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. There aren't like major animals in the Midwest, like bears, right? There, in some places, you'll find like black bears, which are just like big dogs that are scared of everything. Yeah, um, they're fine. But there are no grizzlies. <laughs> I I did hear though that there might be some um, 
diseased bunny rabbits roving around <laughs> with bleeding out of their eyes. So watch out for that. What would you rather deal with? One one grizzly sized bunny or a thousand <laughs> or a thousand bunny sized grizzlies <laughs> with a virus? <laughs> 